and welcome. Raise your inner game today. I'm David Levin. This is our Friday episode, so we're talking all things inner game. Tuesdays are for sports and sports parenting. Fridays are for everyone. And today we have a brand new guest, John Porter. I'm so excited about this. John is um, an osteopathic family doctor here in Viroqua. Known John for many years now. John, thank you for doing this. Uh, my pleasure, David. I'm excited to be here. And as I said uh, to you before, I'm uh, definitely a little bit nervous. <laughs> well, no need to be nervous, but I understand. So that actually goes to sort of our first little um, segment-ish sort of thing. I just want to say, how are you doing? So we used to do this thing where it was called the, uh, the Intergame Weather Report. And the idea was just to take a moment and sort of reflect on how we were, how things felt internally today, and maybe what the week coming looks like for things that might or might not be difficult. So... We can start with you a little bit. You said you're a little nervous, but otherwise, how are yeah. things for you internally today? You know, it's been uh, it's been a good stretch for me. I feel like uh, I've been communicating well with the people that I love and um, having good energy at work. So, um, yeah, I feel like I, I I get a good sense of renewal uh, at the beginning of the year um, and uh, trying to keep that momentum going, you know, that that forward momentum going. I'm really, I'm really working on that. And it's, it's, it's been going well for me. Nice. So, uh, also today, pretty good for me. I got, uh, today's my day where I don't go to the gym or run. It's, I actually look forward to that because I'm, you know, at my age, uh, I love doing them, but they do cost me a little bit. And it's good to have a day off. Um, usually I really, like I was mentioning the other day to somebody that, like if somebody says, how's your day? If I either got to the gym or I ran, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's like, oh, it was a good day. I got to run in today. Yeah. But these Wednesdays, I feel like they're good days to just have a break from us. So that was nice. A little bit of stress around getting this thing going today. Had some tech issues that can tweak me up a bit. But overall, pretty good for me as well. And looking ahead to the week to come, uh, again, kind of a good rhythm. Nothing really big coming up. You know, coming into the holidays, for example, you just know that's going to be a stressful period. Um, this isn't like that. I don't think you're looking pretty good for me right now. How about you? What's what's up ahead for you the next week? Yeah, a good question. I actually want to ask you a question, though. Uh, you know, I've been impressed with your dedication to wellness, um, you know, with uh, with exercise, especially. Um, you know, I always uh, have admired seeing you uh, taking your runs around town. And I'm wondering, how do you keep your, you know, your energy kind of forward moving with that? I mean, do you have a schedule where you say, I'm going to do it at this time or... How do you manage that? Well, let me just say, first of all, that it's easier for me because I work from home and I have complete control over my schedule, generally. Um, and uh, so th I, just, I just do think it really is, you know, notably easier for me because, you know, I think about people like yourself or Margaret who, you know, have full day jobs, right? Because um, mm -hmm. mine usually happens in the middle of the day. Um, if I had to be before work or after work, I would do it a lot less because it's just harder during those times. Um, but having said that, the things I actually do, um, I, you, I don't think you know my material well, but um, I actually have uh, a tracking sheet I put together with a little spreadsheet and all the things that I intend to do on what day and a little grid. And I have a lot of things built into my um, sort of you know, knowledge infrastructure, my calendar and my to-do list and all that to remind me and keep me on track. And uh, that makes a huge difference too. Yeah. Yeah. I think some, some way to, to keep that accountability seems just key. Uh, 
so yeah, I, I'm, I'm working on that myself, uh, yeah. getting back into the exercise, especially, but, um, yeah. uh, this week for me, um, I, I have a unique opportunity to, uh, work with a resident at my work, which is fun. Um, oh, these nice. are, you know, doctors in training, so they're, they're licensed and, uh, they really in some ways are, are very much on top of the latest and greatest information. So they're full of, uh, of, of wonderful information to, to share with me actually. Um, but then I get to kind of share back some wisdom of how to manage a, a clinic day and, and how to mm -hmm. interact with patients who might be a little bit more challenging, either from a medical perspective or just simply a psychosocial perspective. And, um, and, and it can be a really healthy, uh, interaction. Uh, it, I mean, it can be a bad interaction too, I guess, but uh, I've had a lot of good experiences and uh, the resident that we're working with right now is very high quality, very enthusiastic, very smart. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a nice way to uh, in, inject some positive energy into a uh, more mundane work atmosphere at times. Nice. I totally can imagine that. All right, excellent. Well, we are in pretty good shape. So uh, we have some nice things to talk about today. We're going to, of course, uh, touch on our ups and downs for the week. We're going to talk about the population decline in China. That's sort of a big thing that maybe people aren't talking about as much as they might. Uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes from Winston Churchill. John is going to talk to us about sleep today, which is one of my favorite uh, inner game and outer game subjects. Going to continue uh, some of the discussion on one of the inner game foundation things we talked about last week. Of course, I'll share the charging station challenge of the week, and we'll have our Recommendations for books, shows, movies, etc. So we'll start with ups and downs. What things are lifting us up this week? What things are pulling us down, making life harder? And I'll just go first on this one. Um, the ups column for me, this was actually really fun. Uh, Margaret and I did a project. Um, I've talked many times about my absolute favorite thing are you know, projects of one kind or another, fixing things up, making, coming up with a way to make things better. We have uh, our dining room chairs have just been horrifically dirty forever. We've had them for like 20 years, never done anything with them. They started out with kind of a creamy white fabric and they're just disgusting. It's the kind of thing where like, when you actually stop to look at them, you're like, I just can't, I can't believe we let them get like this. I mean, we're not these kind of people. We, you know, we're like, we're like, um, God, what do people think when they come over? And they're just really shockingly terrible. So we finally got around to it. And the reason it took us so long is because, you know, we, we kept assuming we'd have somebody else do it. Mm -hmm. Didn't work out, um, thought we'd go somewhere else, and it was insanely expensive. It was gonna be like, you know, like a couple hundred bucks a chair to do it. We just kept not having a solution. So uh, one day, not that long ago, I finally said, you know, it can't be that hard. Classic, went onto YouTube, found a video. It doesn't look that hard. Long story short, this last weekend, we re Ref, uh, upholstered all of our dining room chairs in a single day and it was just it was just the greatest thing it was fun to work together on it because I usually do that stuff by myself um, it tapped me out it was way harder than I thought it was gonna be my hands were so sore for a couple of days but um, it just came out great they look fantastic and we were just we were just tickled we were talking about it and giggling about it the whole time so that was a big one for me and for both of us for my down this week this is sort of a it's not funny but just sort of odd it just struck me as a story about just the way our brains work and how they're not, frequently not really our friend. <laughs> you know, things have been going great. Things generally are going pretty good 
in our lives, uh, no doubt. And I noticed one day I was just out on an errand and I just had this feeling of kind of failure and anxiety and shame, like something, I just really screwed something up, but there wasn't anything. I mean, there really was no underpinning of it. It was just this, but it was really strong. And you know, I, I, it was kind of my area, so I was able to notice it and say, no, 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 there, you know, nothing, never mind. But still, it was super real and just a real load. And it just reminded me, it's just the nature of being human. You know, we have these big, crazy brains that I, a guy I heard one time said something I love this. He said, we're wired for a world that no longer exists. You know, it's just so true. Um, and it's just hard. I mean, one of the whole reasons uh, for this pod and for the community is really just that. It's like, even when you have the information for how to stay healthy and focused and positive, um, it's still hard. Life is just hard by design internally and externally, and that's just the way it is. It also struck me to think of the thought that, you know, our dog, Bijou, doesn't have that problem, right? She never wakes up and walks around and goes, oh my God, I'm just so, I'm just such a loser, you know? <laughs> doesn't have it. It's a human thing. So anyway, that was it. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, it didn't speak to anything else. It wasn't a, rep, a, a, a indicator or something else that needs to be dealt with. It's just one of those things, you know, probably some chemical sort of thing. And uh, But it really was a load you had to kind of step back from and lift yourself up from. So those are my ups and downs this week. How about, John, you have some examples to share? Yeah, I, I, I first want to comment on, on the the recycling or, or re, uh, refurbishing of your furniture. I think that kind of activity is just, is really undeniably satisfying. I can, I, I can picture uh, taking that kind of task on and, and how much I would enjoy it and and how, how much you're gonna enjoy the product afterwards having known that you've done it. Um, and then also, it's also really satisfying to me to realize why it costs so much money to have somebody else do it because <laughs> it's difficult oh. you know it's hard work it's um it takes you know uh, skill and um, and concentration and time um and it's a good reminder that those things don't just happen um you know without a lot of effort um and so good for you guys for doing that i think that's yeah great. thank you um, that's a good point i forgot about that part of the joy which was i mentioned we didn't do it because it was going to be so expensive. This whole thing might have cost us 40 or 50 bucks. You know, we were right. tickled about that too. But you're right. That's a really good point yeah. that um, it took us all day and it tapped me out. And if I'd been doing mm -hmm. it for somebody else, that might have, might have been worth a couple hundred bucks a chair. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Right. Um, you know, my, my ups are pretty... Uh, they're often just uh, family-related things. Uh, my son Isaac is uh, home from college for a couple of days, so I get to see him. Um, and although I talk to him quite a bit, it's it's different to spend time with him in the same room. And um, so that feels really good whenever I can do that. Uh, we have a guest in our home from Korea who's staying with us for about six weeks, and she's doing super well. Uh, it seems really comfortable, and that feels uh positive and validating for the home that we're you know that we're creating and, uh, and that we can share it with other people um yeah and, and downs uh you know i don't have anything very specific for my downs i, I will okay. say that um, i empathize with those waves of uh, of uh of 
self-doubt or uncertainty that, that come over us. Um, that happens to me with a, a good deal of regularity, actually. Um, and, uh, and I don't know what causes it either. It is usually not super clearly tied to um, a provoking uh, thing that happened to me. Um, I, I do think, though, that sometimes I get the sense that this has to do with um, maybe some kind of unresolved, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, self-worth issues at times. Um, uh, and I also kind of see those moments as a chance to reset, you know, uh, how I feel about myself. Uh, a reminder that, you know, I can step back and look at that thought and say, that thought is is not who I am, and and uh, and because I need to re uh, relook at at my worth in a in a real concrete way in those moments, and say these are the things that I'm doing that feel worthwhile, and and um, and this is why that that feeling is, you know, probably not validated by uh, by the truth. And um, yeah, uh, I, I really sympathize with that. It hasn't happened to me for a little while, but it's a pretty regular yeah. occurrence. Yeah, it's it's it's. It, it. I mean, certainly the temptation is there to think it, you know, it could be rooted in something. And in some cases, you know, it may well be. But it's also interesting to observe how universal it is. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, everybody has that experience, no matter what level of uh, accomplishment or what their situation is like. Everybody talks about it. And it, it, I'm tempted to just think it's, it's wiring for sure, like even not just, you know, sort of like uh, evolutionary psychology kind of stuff. Um, but also just, you know, kind of just passing waves of chemical triggers. I mean, sure. I don't even know. Uh, the, you know, the, the focus of my work is to decouple our attention from that kind of cause and just go to kind of what you were saying, you know. Oh, here's a thought I disagree with. I'm not going to spend any more time engaged with that, you know. Just just go at the, the, the practical appearance of it in my life and bat it aside and move on but anyway yeah excellent all right well nice let's move into our top stories all right so the top story the one that got my attention this week was not really a big big headline but it's something i'd heard some talk about like last fall november december i heard a podcast on it and i was like shocked and then this reminded me of it again. And it basically was, uh, they reported, uh, China reported a population decline for the first time, I think it was maybe been like 60 years. And <laughs> the last time it was, it turns out it was because uh, it was, uh, I think it was Mao had instituted this policy that caused this massive famine and, you know, millions of people died. But anyway, um, the thing that got my attention of it from what I originally heard was that and this is the part that blew my mind. You know, our, in, at least in my, my sense of it is that the story we're hearing about, you know, kind of the, the, the future of global, you know, governmental organization, uh, if that's a terrible way to say it, but you know what I'm saying, it's just that China is on the rise. You know, it's mm -hmm. all going to be about China. They're going to be the, their economy is going to surpass us. They're just, you know, telling our kids to learn Chinese, right? They're going to be the leader and the power in, uh, you know, within a pretty short period of time. So it turns out that uh, that is not true. It turns out that they, this population decline is irreversible. 
this uh, one-child policy they had, and for as long as they had it, uh, they've passed this tipping point now where uh, the forecasts I read even just a year or two ago, they weren't supposed to hit a decline for another couple, three years. So that was part of the news that they hit it sooner than forecast. But the combination of the low uh, birth rate and the aging population, um, the forecast now is that by like 2050, so their population right now, I'm, I'm not going to get these numbers right, but it's like one, one and a half billion maybe. Um, by 2100, which is a long ways away, it's going to be half that size. And of that half, the ratio of people, 30% or more people are going to be over 60. So right. <clears throat> all these pictures of their economy just becoming, you know, continuing to be this engine, this dominating engine, it's just not going to happen. And so part of what makes the story interesting to me is just when we have these things where there's just been one story that's just been absolutely true in our minds for it seems like forever, and then all of a sudden it's just not true. It just, it just, I don't even make anything particular of it. It just kind of blows my mind. Um, it, it's fun on the one hand uh, to have things be so, so not what I thought. Um, mm -hmm. I love the novelty of it. But the other yeah. side of that is, and I wouldn't have thought this, but I was listening, it was a kind of a global strategy guy talking about it. But he was saying uh, it actually makes this, as if we didn't have enough to worry about already, it makes this actually a very dangerous time, uh, like as far as them, you know, trying to take Taiwan. Um, because mm -hmm. what he was saying was, you know, the cal I mean, of course, they know this, right? They know the math. And so they can, you can make the case we're never going to be as strong as we are right now. Sure. And to, to mitigate some of the effects of this decline that's coming in our future. We really need Taiwan, you know? So it's possible that it makes it more likely for them to, to do something that would not otherwise seem entirely rational or, or well-timed. Anyway, you know, who knows? But th those are those two kind of things in my mind that made this a really fascinating story for me. Just the shock of, you can't, you can't be serious, really? And then just thinking about the implications of it. Have you... Uh, heard about this story much at all? You on your radar at all? It's on my radar, but um, I, but I hadn't heard some of the details that you were talking about, like you know, by twenty one hundred. And I know the numbers aren't exact that the you know the population is going to be fifty percent of what it is right now. Uh, but I I I believe it, and you know, although twenty one hundred feels like a long way away, um, you know, it, it's a, it's really not. You know, it's a it's it, that'll come up on us in a hurry as you know, as a, as a, a culture, a society, a world. And, um, I think it's interesting to think about how, how trapped we get in, uh, uh, thinking about just, you know, this immediate cause and effect, uh, you know, scenario and, and really forget to consider the, the kind of the logical consequences that could come down the line and how, you know, uh, like, you know, a small, uh, change here could have a big effect you know somewhere else oh, and yeah. uh and and it's really it's really humbling for me when that happens it, it reminds me a little bit about thinking uh of some of the the epidemiology of of the pandemic and this type of thing and how 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 when you start thinking about the cascading effects of any one decision how how widespread and and how unexpected the the outcome can be from that um 
yeah, it, it's uh, it's a really interesting thing. And then at the same time, you know, I feel like um, there's you know we're we are kind of over utilizing resources in the world, and so it makes me think about you know how much of this is you know, it, it's going to be a painful change, but perhaps, you know, good in the long run. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's say. a good point, too. Yeah, you, on your point about the unintended consequences and the hubris of making some of these, you know, pretty sweeping decisions, like that one child policy. You know, at the time, all the worries I was hearing about was over, overpopulation, right? right? So it seemed, it seemed really smart. Um, I also mm -hmm. haven't heard for sure anyone say, had they stopped it 10 years sooner, none of this would have happened. You know, there are many things that go into it. But, but again, it just, I mean, this single item is gonna completely change the arc over the next 150 years, you know? And, yep. and it was just a group of people in China who made this decision. It's just, it's mind boggling, it really is. I like your thought that it, it, it uh, can bring some humility You'd like to think it would bring some of that to uh, decision makers. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, humility is in short supply in the, uh, yeah. the top tier uh, administrators yeah. and uh, governing officials in the world. But yeah. anyway. So, all right, that is our top stories. Next up, our quote of the week. All right, this is our quote of the week. And this time, this week we have one of my all-time favorites. This is from Winston Churchill. Churchill, of course, was the Prime Minister of England during World War II. Just a huge historic figure, uh, colorful, complicated, flawed, certainly. But anyway, his quote is: <laughs> "I love this. If you're going through hell, keep going." I just think that's such a great line. If you're going through hell, keep going. I mean, it's it's a classic joke, you know, kind of turns it around. Right. Um, couple ways to take it, I think. One is, you know, you're in hell, get out of there as quick as you can. But maybe the more important one is just to remind uh, us of the essential importance of action. You've got to do something to change anything, to make anything, whether it's, you know, getting out of a bad spot or just moving to a spot that we're aspiring to. It really is all about action. And so both those are true. <laughs> But I also think it's probably true that I love this one so much because it makes me laugh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a good laugh, too. Um, have yeah. you heard this before, and, and how does this strike you? No, I don't. I haven't, I haven't heard it before, but I, I like it as well. I think, um, you know, it speaks to, uh, yeah, like the benefit of action and the, uh, and, the, and the acknowledgement that, you know, that the conditions that you're currently in are probably not going to last, uh, you yeah. know, that this is a, this is a fleeting moment and, and, and that the, the, to get out of that moment, if it's a bad one is, you know, some kind of action is needed. Uh, usually it's, it's really helpful to keep the ball matriculating down the field as it were. And, and, um, and, and I think that that's like a, a real valid, in, you know, version of toughness, you know, and I think that toughness is a, is a great trait, you know, I think um, yeah. if you want to call it resilience or toughness, I guess resilience yeah. is really a more popular term nowadays, but uh, yeah. So yeah. And yeah, you I try like and project yourself into that period, that World War II period, un unimaginable, you know, oh. although you can sort of imagine it now you think about the bombardment of Ukraine, but the kind of fortitude and resilience and head down, just keep going kind of thing. It's just, 
Uh, it's, it's pretty awe-inspiring, really, when think about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. that is yeah. this week's quote. If you're going through hell, keep going. So think about that, and we'll move on to our Raise Your Outer Game. All right, Raise Your Outer Game. This is where we talk about things we care about in our outer life, our health, our relationships, our finances. And this week, because we have an actual expert with us, we are talking health and wellness and specifically sleep. And I love this subject. I have a whole module on this in the Sports Academy training. Uh, it's, it's near and dear to my heart, so I'm looking forward to hearing from John, what is it you'd like us to know about sleep today? Well, uh, yeah, that's a such a it's a huge topic, as you know, and I actually I knew that it was part of of your training, um, uh, but I didn't know it was, you know, such a passionate love of yours to um, I, I think about sleep a lot because so much of what I deal with on a day to day basis with my patients um, is, uh, uh, you know, either disease uh, management or, you know, preventive health, um, it, it, it kind of at some point distills down to how are we taking care of ourselves and um and sleep is just an area that is notoriously looked over i think um you know we live in this 24 7 non-stop world and uh, you know i think that you know you know my generation was you know raised on you know sleep when you're dead you know uh, you know just keep going and and, and sleep was really seen as an inconvenience. And that was pretty hardwired into me, especially going through, you know, medical school and residency, uh, some of which, you know, that was actually kind of survival mode uh, with, with sleep deprivation. But, um, but I think it's a mistake. And I think that people's health suffers really, really badly from getting inadequate sleep. Um, and it is, it is, is so commonly um, uh, a, a a overlooked part of somebody's uh, personal wellness that I feel uh, obligated to, to to talk about it, and um, and I think that we're getting a much better understanding of how negatively uh, inadequate sleep affects our health. You know, it has impacts on you know cardiovascular well-being and, and emotional well-being, and uh, you know, you name it. Really, it's got. Uh, hormonal regulation, emotional regulation, gene expression is tied to, you know, adequate Mm. sleep where, you know, Mm. we're seeing clear, you know, connections uh, to neurodegenerative disorders like uh, dementia and people who are chronically underslept. Um, And, Mm. uh, and frankly, people's sleep habits are terrible uh, by and large. Um, Yeah. So uh, it's just been very topical for me in the clinic. and I feel like it has uh, implications in, in just in probably every single um, patient interaction that I have, uh, whether or not it actually rises to the surface or something that we discuss, uh, it, it feels like something that could be appropriate to, to uh, try to help somebody with. For sure. You know, the reason I talk about it in my stuff, my stuff is officially, you know, ostensibly inner game stuff. But, um, you know, for all the other things I can imagine, you you know recommending people do it i mean we kind of know what we need to do to stay healthy to stay happy and all these things but um a huge part of why we don't do them comes down to our our will in the moment to moment sort of opportunity when we have to you know do it or not and uh the the first thing a lack of sleep does is just sap all your will for those kind of things so i talk about you know really in the 
context of that, if you if you want to get more control over your intentionality, your inner game, your your sense of well-being, your focus on the things you know you should do, uh, go after your sleep first. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about what you yeah. recommend. By the way, I've had two sleep studies, and uh, oh, have you? so it's it's been a thing for me. And um, mm-hmm. and as you know, of course, Margaret was a sleep doc, and so it, it mm-hmm. really is. Uh, it it's had a a pretty big role in my life multiple times. So I'm psyched to be talking about it. Yeah, I uh, I think um, you know, I almost don't even know where to begin and end this uh, discussion because it could you know it could get pretty sprawling. But I'm I'm struck a lot in our our society, um, you know, when I'm working with patients, how many people need stimulants to be awake and sedatives to be asleep. You know, it Mm. seems it has always struck me as like, wow, this seems really kind of messed up. You know what I mean? That really a huge sign of imbalance there. Um, And uh, in that, actually, my feelings about that predates my my understandings about the importance of sleep. Actually, I I just felt like, well, this just seems illogical from a medical perspective. and uh, and I've also kind of been aware all along that the typical medical response to insomnia was uh, was often medications, which seemed um, tempting, but probably not the right choice for most people for very long. And uh, and we're not given much in the way of tools to help deal with that. And um, so you're, you're kind of left out there on an island as a doctor if you really care about somebody's sleep because you don't have much else to go on. Uh, uh, so you, you start kind of formu- formulating your own approach to these problems with people and, 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 and ultimately you, you do get people some help. Um, so that feels good. Yeah, so what kind of, I mean, you mentioned, you know, it being, um, having kind of a role clinically, just and I agree that there's so much to talk about as far, but as far as some places to start, what are some of the top things you see that make you think maybe there's sleep uh, concern going on? And then what's sort of the, 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 the first things you have them look at to sort of evaluate whether they're having a sleep issue and to try to more naturally get things, uh, you know, balanced out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the top things that I, that I that you see like on a moment-to-moment basis are going to be things like emotional dysregulation because that you know that shows up at your front door you know the the link to something like obesity that kind of creeps up on you over many years uh you know cardiovascular disease the increase in risk in cardiovascular disease that doesn't you know that that doesn't show up on your doorstep in the clinic that day so emotional dysregulation um, cognitive uh, uh, function uh, uh, attention problems those are the things that you see kind of that really bright flashing lights uh for for talking about sleep um uh, you, you know, I had an example uh, not too long ago, a, a teenage boy, I think he was 15 or 16, um, in the, in the, in the chief complaint was anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, I was actually working with the resident at that time and we did a, a good evaluation of anxiety and, um, uh, we're making some good recommendations. And I, I, I simply asked the question of like, well, you know, you know, what's his, what's his general health like, you know, how is he eating? How's he sleeping? You know, these types of things. And, and the resident admitted, you know, I, I didn't ask about, about those things. I said, well, you know, it's, it's a good idea too. And if it fits into the visit today, we should do that. You know, and we, we, we asked about sleep and this, this child was, 
you know, staying up till three or four on school nights, uh, you know, video game playing and these types of things. And, um, uh, you know, and then using, you know, you know, lots of caffeinated oh beverages to stay awake throughout the next day. And, and you can imagine, you know, his school was suffering. He was, you know, emotionally labile and all this. And so uh, a lot of this brings me back to like a lot of what I've talked to people about with sleep is, is what I call addition by subtraction. So if we're doing something that harms uh, uh, our health in a way that we're trying to fix, let's try to take that away. You know, let's, let's try to improve something, not by adding another medication, but by reducing the harm we're doing to ourselves first. So I, I, I focus a lot on that. Um, I, uh, uh, I really am a big believer in, um, I, I guess I would call it circadian alignment, you know, really, really trying to keep people, uh, you know, awake and aroused and, and activated during the daytime um, and calm and uh, peaceful and sleepy at nighttime. Uh, yeah. Because I think that goes a long way to creating good good habits and good patterns. For sure. And like you mentioned earlier, the I totally agree with this. That just the intuitive sense that if you're having to, you know, chemically induce our, what we should naturally be doing, which is waking up during the day and sleeping at night, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. And I mean, I think people are suspicious about it, even if they don't quote unquote know it. Um, uh, because it's usually it's a lot of nodding and and, um, and and then and then on the flip side, you know, um, I was having a conversation with my, one of my colleagues about when parents come in and, and they complain about their children's, you know, sort of difficulty with sleep, you know, challenges with being you know awake in the morning and ready to go to school. And, you know, I'll ask a simple question about like, you know, well, you know, do you guys have you know, TVs in the bedroom? and and, uh, you know, you know, the answer is yes. And, and there's there's no supervision over whether or not these TVs are on or off. And, 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 and some families will even tell me that they use TVs as sort of like a, as a, a background noise or something like that, which we 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 just know does not work. It's a, it's like the same myth that somehow drinking alcohol as a sedative is going to help us get better sleep. when we know actually quite the opposite, that, we, that it interferes with quality sleep. Um, yeah. and, uh, oh. it's like a myth that sometimes somehow people have bought into and, uh, and when, when you bring it up and, and I try to do it in a non-judgmental way, of course, but when you bring it up, man, it's all eyes on the ground because there's a TV in every bedroom, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a pervasive thing. And, um, yeah. but there's that eyes on the ground, that, that little bit of, of shame, which I'm not trying to induce, but just kind of comes out as part of the conversation it yeah. tells me that, you know, no, we know, we know that this is probably a bad idea and we're just yeah. doing it anyways for whatever reason. Yeah. So, yeah. It's easier. It's, it's comfortable, you know, in some ways, I mean, mm -hmm. it is comforting if, you know, you mm -hmm. had a stressful day, just kind of, you know, zone out in front of the tube. Um, right. you know, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just, uh, just real practical level, uh, one or two, three top things you just have them look at or work on or try. Just at a, it's different yeah. for everybody, I'm sure, but just kind of the fundamentals you want everybody to at least be trying out. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, in an ideal situation, keeping a fairly regular uh, sleep-wake cycle so that you don't have widely uh, varying uh, uh, sleep-wake cycles, you know, uh, because of work or school or weekend or whatever it might be. So trying to get up fairly early in the morning. Um, honestly, human beings were probably designed to, um, you know, kind of wake up with the sun and go to bed with the with the dark. I mean, obviously, in these northern climates with really short days in the winter, that's probably not realistic. But 
um, there should be some honoring of that diurnal pattern. Um, mm-hmm. So, so keeping a, a regular wake cycle, um, trying to do something actually somewhat vigorously active right away in the morning, even if it's brief, you know. So, um, you know, some kind of like you know uh, physical activity, just to, even if it's just you know, you know, push-ups or you know something that is just kind of getting the the blood flowing um, and kind of telling your body it's time to be awake. It's you're really reinforcing these signals. Um, staying away from excessive amounts of stimulants. I'm, I'm a coffee lover. Um, and I love the effect of caffeine, but, um, uh, but I've learned that, you know, uh, caffeine is a powerful drug and has a very long half-life and it should be consumed with a a good deal of, um, uh, of, of, uh, you know, just caution, I guess, you know, just, Mm -hmm. you know, keeping it uh, to a reasonable amount. Um, uh, I really recommend strongly avoiding a lot of, of, of uh, bright lights and media use later into the evening. Um, I think that that can be uh, hard on some people's uh, sleep-wake cycles, a lot of bright lights, whether it be from backlit screens or just a lot of bright lights in the house actually has been shown to, uh, to sort of depress uh, natural uh, melatonin uh, uh, release. and so. It can make it more challenging for some people to, to achieve, you know, like a sleepy state. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, avoiding uh, and honestly avoiding sedatives, like avoiding alcohol in the evening if mm-hmm. possible. Um, I think that that's a really big deal for, for adults. Um, I think that having a nice uh, bedtime routine uh, for adults and children is really, really helpful. You know, uh, quiet, dim, calm, you know, books instead of screens. Um, uh, these types of things um, are, are really helpful. And then, uh, honestly, I think that you can also do some uh, some biohacking a little bit uh, to help induce a sleepy state. So your body, w- when your when your body drops temperature, it induces a little bit of um, sleepiness. And so that naturally happens as you are laying down and becoming sleepy. Your, your metabolism drops, your, your core body temperature drops a little bit, and that helps kind of induce a sleepy state. Um, and I don't know this to be scientifically proven, but one of the things that I do think help people sometimes is to actually artificially raise your temperature a little bit, say take a warm bath or something like that, or you know, if you're fortunate to, enough to have access to a sauna or a steam room or something like that, you could, um, you know, uh, spend a little bit of time in that. And then as your body temperature is coming down from that elevated uh, uh, temperature down to a more normal temperature, I think that that can uh, also really encourage a relaxed and sleepy mm-hmm. state as well, too. So, um, yeah, those are those are kind of like my my top picks, you know, there. Nice. Oh, and 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 make your animals sleep in a different room than your bedroom. Oh, Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, an interesting one that I I don't think of it as a sleep. Like I don't think of it as a, a particular strategy to help with sleep, but I can. The animal made me think of this. Um, I would not sleep without it. Uh, I wear mm-hmm. earplugs every night. Number one, oh. uh, somebody not too far from me is a snorer. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and but you know, there's just the dog noises. I'm so used to that. I've been doing it for years and years and years now. That mm-hmm. like when there was a night recently, I think Margaret was out of town for something, so it was just me and the dog. And then I thought, well, I probably don't need the plugs tonight, you know, because the snoring's not there. And uh, within just a very short time, every little sound the dog makes, they make noises all night long. It wakes yes. me back up again. So 
uh, earplugs are huge for me. I suppose that varies. People are more or less mm -hmm. uh, noise sensitive, but um, yeah, that really is a, a lifesaver for me too. That's a great list though. Yeah. Anyway, it, we can talk about this for a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> That's excellent though. Thank you. Super helpful. Um, next up, Inner Game Gold. All right, Inner Game Gold. So these are the ideas, you know, we have the quotes every week, but these are the ideas and concepts I come back to over and over that help me stay on track. So last week we talked about one of the core foundations of the mental game, which is this thought. <laughs> Ironically, you have thoughts, but you are not your thoughts. Mm. You have thoughts, but you're not your thoughts. So basically bringing to light that sort of essential dualistic nature of our inner self, of our mind. So. Uh, and we, of course, we talked plenty about that last week. So this week's inner game gold is sort of the, the rest of that story, which is what to do about it. What do you do once you recognize that duality? What's the right way to kind of hold that? So this is another saying, a sort of a quote. I, th I think it comes from the Zen tradition, and it says this: uh, "Be master of mind, rather than mastered by mind." be master of mind rather than mastered by mind. And I think this is a perfect illustration of the reality of that duality we're talking about. You have these two selves in there. There's the you, the real you that you really uh, relate with and identify with. And there's that other one that says all that crazy, nasty, negative stuff to you. And so the idea is you need to take control of that dynamic. You need to stop letting that self control the real you. So again, master of mind rather than master by mind. So when those things come up, I touched on this earlier, when those negative thoughts come up, John, you did too, you just say, no, nope, that's not, I don't agree with that. Nope, not going there. And that, and, and you think about what the opposite of that is. Normally, when we don't do that, it just kind of takes over. And we get sucked into that round and round and round. Oh, you're right. Oh my God, it's terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And that's when it's, that's when it's mastering you. But when you can observe it and say, no. Mm -mm. And, and you're standing in where the real you and you're kind of exerting your will over the other. That's what this statement's about. And so just this statement itself helps remind me of this dynamic. And when I need it, it helps me snap out of being controlled by it. So it's super helpful and I love it. John, I don't know if we ever talked to this kind of thing. Is this... um? How, how much of a Zen guy are you? are you? You think about this kind of stuff? You're familiar with this idea? I, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely familiar with it. And I, <clears throat> I try to practice it. And I, I wanted to ask you a question about this because I don't, I don't think I do a really good job with it. But there are times when um, I recognize the duality kind of after the fact. And, um, and my tendency is to actually at that moment even though it's even though like the kind of the really right moment of of separating myself from my thoughts has has passed a little bit i still try to take an opportunity and 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 focus on it a little bit and and especially when that <clears throat> that duality has manifested in a frustrating interaction with another person i often will try to take that moment and say i'm going to return to that person and explain to them like i think 
I think I was not really in, in a, a good spot with that for whatever reason. And, yeah. you know, for, you know, you know, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness or apologize or, or forgive myself in that moment or whatever the case may be. And I'm wondering if you think that that is like, is that, is that as, as good as, as catching it in the moment or, or is it just a different uh, type of exercise or what do you think about that? Um, I think it's, it's, it's great. I think it's exactly the right thing to do. Um, I, I will say, you know, the developing the ability to catch it in the moment doesn't mean you're never going to get sucked into it. You know, right. there'll be sometimes, I mean, your baseline does get better and better and stronger and, and your ability to not be triggered in the first place does work itself up. But um, I think in a practical uh, way, the goal is really not to expect that it won't happen. It's that you'll you'll spend less time there, you go at it more quickly, and you'll have the presence of mind to do what you just said to go back and say, "Oh gosh, I'm sorry that, that you know that wasn't right." However you'd however you'd say it. Um, the kinds of th the the story I hear you talk about is that frustration. It's an emotional hijack kind of moment. Those I think are harder to keep from happening in the moment. Sometimes you can, you'll feel that, Kim Jong-un calls it the red mist rising, and you'll just say, oh, hang on, I gotta take it, you know, give me a second or whatever. Um, those are just harder, they're just gonna happen. I'll say this too, those kinds of emotional moments, um, I think are the first ones to come to mind for us when we feel bad about the way we've been. It's usually some sort of emotional hijack reaction. But the sort of the, Another level of that, the one that I focus a lot on in my work, is the stuff that happens just purely uh, in the intellectual realm. It's just attention and distraction and uh, quieting one's thoughts, you know, to be actually be present. Um, I have this three-tiered, actually four-tiered in my material, where there's, the, there's these four levels of a building, but they represent the physical, emotional, intellectual. And one of the one of the uh, tenets of that is that the farther down you go in that realm, as far as triggers, the harder they are to overcome. So physical stuff like hunger, pain, you know, lack of sleep, those are they just have too much power over us. There's very little we can do. We have to fix that problem first. Emotional is the next one, still quite powerful, but a little more able to be to self-regulate with them. Intellectual. Um, Theoretically, much easier to do. Um, practically, more of an issue because we're always there and we're not aware of it. Most people are just constantly stuck in their mental noise. So, the, one of the really powerful kind of freedoms we can bring to ourselves is to learn to fix that one. To learn how to, again, master master of mind rather than mastered by mind. That's where that realm is. So, those kind of things, um, it's it gets pretty easy and intuitive. To start to stop those if you're focused here and you feel distraction come up to just you know swat it away um but the emotional ones that's kind of a long way to get back to what i was saying i give people and myself a lot more leeway with the emotional ones because they're just harder um mm -hmm. i don't expect to not react badly i just expect to be able to get out of it and get back present very quickly and then do the right thing to to patch it up that's a long answer but that that makes sense yeah no it does yeah yeah i, I yeah, I think I was confusing the the intellectual and the emotional a little bit there. Um, yeah, I, I would I, I would love to know how to get better at that. I think it just, I think it just takes a lot of thoughtful, you know, trying to stay in the moment, you know, being aware of our thoughts and um, 
Yeah. Well, that's what the Raising Your Game book's all about. But it really is, it's just, it's a matter of practice, uh, not to be, you know, glib about it or anything, but it, it's the awareness, it's it's taking the awareness to as deep a level as you can get as far as it just, rec- again, we started talking about this duality, just getting to the point where that's just the truth. You know, you don't have to remind yourself, you just see it all the time. And then putting some systems in a place where you uh, recognize it and you uh, practice you know, you can practice. One of the beautiful things about this approach is that you can practice being willfully with your attention with small things that are not fraught at all. And just like in the gym, with smaller weights to bigger weights, you build up because it's the same mechanism. You build up sure. and you build up and you build up and you build up. And then when really massively distracting things dump up comes up, you have the skill to do it to deal with it. So just like any other thing, really, it, when you get when you break it down to the mechanics like that, you can develop it just like you would any other skill. Anyway, we got to move on. That was our uh, quote of the week. No, no, that was the gold, the game gold of the week, right? I don't even call it gold of the week. <laughs> it was this idea. Be master of mind rather than master by mind. I'm not even saying that right now. All right, anyway, we'll just forget how awkward and rough that was and move on to our charging station challenge. Ba-da-da, sounds heroic. All right, so last week, we had you think about that foundational thought. You have thoughts, but you're not your thoughts. This week, I want you to do the similar kind of thing with this new idea, master of mind rather than mastered by mind. As I said it, uh, uh, as I said a minute ago, the statement itself, the sentence, can have a real effect on you, just on its own. So uh, just thinking about it, you know, what it says, the deeper implications of it. So again, similar to last week, I would encourage you to make a plan to sit down for a couple minutes every day this week and really sit with this idea. Be master of mind rather than mastered by mind. Think about it, live with it, let it kind of soak into you and see what effect it has on you. I think you really enjoy what this does, especially combined with that and that, uh, that sense of the duality of it. As always, I'll post this challenge in the community if you want to do it along with others. If you're not in the community yet, click the link in the notes. It's free, of course. Just register. You can go straight into the challenge. Next up, one of my favorites, highly recommended. All right, so these are the things I'm crazy about right now. Books, shows, gadgets, things I love and recommend. John, you go first. Do you have some some things you want to share this week? Uh, well, you know, I um, this is nothing new it's a it's a really old uh recommendation but i i just started uh i, I read books to my children when they're young um i read you know kind of big long books we you know i've read the you know the lord of the ring trilogies you know all through and, and you know these types of things but um my my daughter josephine is eight years old and we are reading watership down and i am reminded uh about what a, uh, a complex uh, and exciting story that is and, and what an interesting look into different personalities uh, it, it is and uh, um, it, it's it's fun for me to go back to uh, a story that I've read before and yeah. find it to nice. be just as compelling as the last time I read it so I would recommend that to anybody who hasn't read it before adult or maybe middle school child or above man that flashed me back to the reading books to your kids, and our kids are older now, uh, 14, 18, 
And I'm just reflecting on that the other day. That was just, we were really, we just read all the time. It sounded like you do too. I loved it so much. And that's great. I don't, I, I'm not sure I ever read that book, actually. Um, hmm. I certainly knew about it. Is that The Rabbits? Yes, yeah. Absolutely. That's how much I know about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe I, it was, it was, uh, I was a little too old when it came out or something. Sure. But anyway, yeah. I love it. I have a book also this week. Um, I just finished it. It's called Sea of Tranquility. Author is Emily St. John Mandel, Mandel maybe. She's the same person who wrote the book Station Eleven, which I really thought was a genius book. Post-apocalyptic, you know, you get a certain amount of those, but man, that was beautifully written. Very, very good. I didn't see the, the adaptation of it. It was a TV series the last year or two. But anyway, really good. This new book is, um, it's maybe not quite at that level. I, I, it's hard to say, um, but fascinating. She sort of, well, I don't want to give it away. <laughs> it's, uh, no spoilers. It, it, it comes off as sort of a time travel book, which I can really enjoy if they're done well. Um, always beautifully written. She's a very interesting writer. Yeah, I recommend it. All right, so I've got a movie. We just watched this one together. It's called Triangle of Sadness. Um, it's a little bit of a, I can't recommend it to everybody. It's, a, it's very European. It feels, it's just got its own pace. Um, it's a satire about, you know, uh, excessive wealth and consumption and fashion and social media. It's very smart and wicked and clever. But it's also pretty gross <laughs> in some places, um, like really gross in some places. And one thing I, I really do have to say as far as a, almost a, a warning, um, if th there's a pretty disturbing scene with uh, some animal, and that some people just, I'm not going to see that. But separate from that, uh, we all really enjoyed it, actually. Um, it, you know, it gets harder. It seems like it gets harder as the kids get older to find something everybody's going to enjoy. And uh, it was it's right on the edge with Francis, a little right on the edge of a little too adulty, but it was super interesting and different and funny. Uh, Woody, Woody uh, Harrelson is in there. He's probably the, oh. the, the one that actors that, that we know. He has a, actually a relatively small part. But, um, yes, yeah, pretty fun. And then the last one, I really have to qualify. Uh, it's a series, The Boys. Have you seen that? Oh, it's yes. on Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. A... <laughs> I'm just in season three now. Mm -hmm. I can't get over the combination. It's the, it's the most physically disgusting, graphically violent, over-the-top. I just can't believe they just They obviously take joy in just going as far as they possibly can. Um, at the same time, I find myself that I can't stop watching. I just, mm -hmm. like, it's so insane, right? It's really kind of funny, but it's still just, mm -hmm. I mean, those images, you don't want those in your mind. Um, but the acting is very good. It's interesting. I'm just I'm surprised how engaging that show is. How far, have you watched the whole thing? Yeah. I, how many seasons? Are there three or four seasons? I, I think remember. it's just the three. I'm in season three now. Okay. I think that's the last one. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've definitely watched through three seasons and yeah it, I, the the thing that i liked about it, it was that there are um there are characters with really redeeming you know qualities to them and in that show despite the the kind of overwhelming uh amount of disturbing characters uh, the, the, the there are a few that you can look to it just it feels like kind of a rock and somebody who can you can really root for i guess yeah uh, which always feels good yeah 
And I think they, I mean, they do take advantage. I mean, they, you know, again, it's just so insanely over the top with the, not just the violence, but just how bad these bad guys are. Mm. But it's not just, it sounds funny to say, it doesn't feel quite gratuitous. I mean, some of the visuals are, but they're bad in the service of, you know, making some societal points. They do a pretty good job of the commentary, I think which is part of the, probably one of the big reasons I do continue to still enjoy it. Um, you know, the, the especially in this third season, they just, the emptiness, vacuousness of the whole social media focus, you know, the likes and the reports. I mean, the, you know, it's just, oh my God. It's almost like it's the logical extension. This right. extreme outrageous stuff is sort of the logical extension of that empty, empty, you know, bad incentive sort of focus we have anyway with big big caveats what is the logical extreme of of the of the way we're behaving right now you know where 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 is the bad place it could go it's it's good to be reminded of those even if it seems a little bit uh, over the top oh my goodness yeah so so we both we both share the cautious recommendation there certainly not for younger kids say that for sure i would say mid-teens 16 maybe and up you what about you yeah no i watched that with jesse and isaac so yeah my my 17 and 20 year old so yeah, yeah it was more that was the range and yeah i mean jesse could handle it's, it because i think he could yeah. see beyond yeah but yeah that's wild oof mm-hmm. all right <laughs> those are our highly recommended items this week well of course we'll have them all in the show notes and that's it for today's episode, John, I just really want to thank you for doing this. It was super fun. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. And, and I have to say, you made it very easy on me. I was pretty nervous, but it, it flowed oh. really well. And I appreciate your uh, <laughs> easing that for me. Well, it's my pleasure. It, was, it felt totally natural to me. I, I don't think anyone would have sensed your nerves. So that's lovely. All right, everybody, that's the end of the episode. If you like what you heard, please do tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Every review helps more people find the show and get that helpful mental game boost. Uh, If you're listening to this on audio but you like video, we post all our episodes on our YouTube channel as well. There's a link to that in the show notes. For more mental game goodness, mental game goodness, please consider joining our free community, the Raise Your Inner Game charging station. There's a link here or you can go to raiseyourinnergame.com slash community. Totally free. You'll love that. Uh, If you'd like to support the show so we can keep things ad free, please click the buy me a coffee link below and thank you for that. And if you have teenagers in sports, check out our mental game starter kit. It's a great set of resources to get you started on the path of helping your child boost their mental game. Again, raiseyourinnergame.com Scroll to the bottom. You can learn about it and register there. All free, super helpful resources. And then finally, we will close with Steve Prefontaine. Speaking of sports, his quote from the end of the Raise Your Inner Game book. To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice your gift. That's what we're doing. We are working to be our best. It's the gift that keeps on giving and the world needs as much of it as it can get. So keep up the good work. And we'll see you next time.